Hey everybody, thanks for joining us for the very first episode of Craft Beer Republic. I'm very excited that our first episode with a new name is taking place at one of our all-time favorite spots to do some very important beer research. We're back at 14 Cannons Brewery in Westlake Village, California. Find them at 31125 via Kalinas, number 907. Look for the signs. We're being joined once again by the head brewer and all-around mad scientist around here, Nick Bordelin. Nick, thanks for hanging out today. Thanks for coming and drinking beer with me. You know what? If, if you're going to get me out of bed and get me somewhere at 11 in the morning on Saturday, it's going to be for beer. Our main reason here today is we're talking about the new collab. You guys did an awesome collab, which we'll get to in just a second. We're also going to do a little follow-up. I mean, it's been... Four it, years. Four, was it four years yeah. since we talked? Like three so. and a half. Yeah, it was yeah, December. Like four. three and a half years. Batch 85. You guys want to go back, get the basics, find out about Nick's background, all that good stuff. So, like I said, we're here for the collab. You got together with one of our other favorites, Ennegrin. Uh, if you're if you're in Ventura County or Southern California and you like loggers, everybody thinks about Ennegrin. They're doing everything lager, everything German. Uh, you got to hang out with Chris. You guys came up with a, a Pilsner, right? An Italian Pilsner. An Italian yeah. Pilsner. Uh, get into getting the story who swiped right or left or whoever sure. swiped and <laughs> how did it come about? And then let's, let's taste it too. Yeah. Chris and I have been talking about doing a collab for at least three years now. Um, you know, we're buddies. He actually helped build, uh, this brewery with me. Oh, he has wow. a background in, uh, engineering. And so he helped me put together the brew house and all the electrical wiring and stuff like that, that I'm scared to do. Cause I don't want to, <laughs> you know, electrocute myself. Right. Um, Chris can come over and do it with his uh, eyes closed. So he was a great help getting this place built and set up. And so ever since then, we've been talking about, well, we got to do a beer together. Um, but I was predominantly IPA focused like when we started and it just never made sense. And we never have time. Um, it's, brewers rarely leave their own breweries. <laughs> um, <laughs> no time. Yeah, no time. I mean, there's always something to do. Like right now I'm looking at tanks and I, I got to dry hop a tank as soon as we're done with this. <laughs> I just realized and it's your day off. Right. So beer doesn't take a day off. It's, you know, living things, what I like to tell people. Yeah. But anyway, so Italian Pilsners are so hot right now. I feel like everyone's doing one. Well, they're hot because it's hot. Yeah, yeah. true, true. And it's kind of a newer trend, I think, uh, in, in craft beer right now, which is funny because it, for so long it wasn't really a style and it still might not be a style. I don't think it has its own, it's not recognized by the, the BA or anything. There's mm. no... No GABF. Yeah, no GABF category for, you know, Italian Pilsner. Um, but I think one of the reasons it's it's taken off is really what it comes down to is it's dry hopped. Mm-hmm. That's like what makes an Italian Pilsner um, an Italian Pilsner. Are the Italians known for being hoppy? I mean, why? There's one beer in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> Tippo Pils. If you, if you ever uh, come across Tippo Pils, buy it okay. um, and enjoy it. Um it's it's the inspiration behind Firestone's Pivo, sure. Hoppy Pilsner, um, and Tippo Pils was basically the first guy in Italy to, you know, bastardize a beer by adding <laughs> hops to it. Um, Hero. Yeah, right. And so when Chris and I were coming up with this recipe, we were like, okay, how do we, you know, do this uh, s- subtly, you know, not make it a, a West Coast hop bomb. Right. There, there's, you know, a lot of great Hoppy Pilsners out there uh, in LA right now. And but we didn't want to use American hops, and we wanted to be true to form with it still. And so I'm really happy with uh, the end result. Yeah, let's uh, let's dig in. Let's let's have a little sample here, yeah. and you can tell us what's in it. So that malt base is it's Italian malt, um, Pilsner malt. So it's kind of like a little sweeter, um, like honey graham cracker almost, mm-hmm. which is you know atypical of a German Pilsner. 
Sure. Um, you get more of the like cracker with a German Pilsner malt. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, like, like I said, I get a lot of honeydew, melon, almost sweetness from the malt. Yeah, it's sweet without that like um, like corn sweet. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to describe it. My first time using this malt, Araclea is, mm. I think, how it's pronounced. Um, my Italian's not awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, sweet, nice Pilsner malt and great base for the beer. And then I think Chris and I, we brewed the beer with some really traditional hops because um, we just wanted to let the malt shine through. And then what we actually did when it was done fermenting, um, and it had been lagering for a few weeks, uh, we got like six or seven different hop varieties and just went straight home brewer with this thing <laughs> and put a couple hop pellets of each variety in a bunch of bottles and hand bottled um, a bunch of different uh, bombers. To Beer see, science. Yeah, to see what dry hop uh, we wanted to use. And so that was fun. But yeah, super nerdy, homebrewy uh, way to figure out what hops you're going to add to the beer. And the one we ended up really, really liking is Callista. So there's Callista mm. hops in here. It's not something you see a lot. No. It's not around here. No, it's, it's a German hop. Again, to be true to form, true to style for the Italian Pilsner, noble hops are what are used, German hops. Um, so we didn't want to just throw in some some Citra or some Nelson or, you know, any of those hot buzzword hops, right. <laughs> um, which probably would have, you know, been great too. Right. Um, but but we wanted to be, you know, true true to form with this. And I, so I think the end result is fantastic. Um, it, was, it was a fun, nerdy way to, to figure out what we we're going to do. And then, you know, we're sitting in front of my lagering tank here. Right. And so dry hopping the Pilsner was also kind of uh, the process was fun to come up with. For any beer nerds listening, um, what we ended up doing was we lagered in our conical for about a month. And then when you dry hop, you don't want the beer to sit on the hops for too long, mm-hmm. just long enough to pick up, um, you know, the aroma and the flavors uh, from the hops. And if they sit on the hops for too long, you can get kind of grassy or vegetably. And so to avoid that, what we ended up doing was lagered in the conical. And then once the beer was done and we were really, really happy with it, it was clear, it was perfect. Um, then we transferred the beer into the lagering tank after I'd filled it up with the dry hops. Oh. So we transferred it on top of the hops. Interesting. Which was kind of a cool process. Yeah. Um, which definitely means this is not something that we could like go into production mode with. It's kind of a pain <laughs> to make. <laughs> definitely a one-off. But it was it was fun to come up with that new process. Um, yeah. So we transferred on top of the hops and then left it in the lagering tank and just tasted it every day. And then after a couple of days and we were happy with the, the flavor pickup from the Callista hops, then we... Uh, Centrifuged it and canned it. That's awesome. So, I mean, you and Chris are both huge, I mean, nerds. Really. Yeah, you can say it, that. Yeah, 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 when it comes to beer, not offended. Yeah. <laughs> how do you? How do two nerds like that get together and come up with a recipe? I mean, are we like battling over things, or was it like a beautiful mind with your whiteboard? And no, he actually uh, had to restrain me uh, <laughs> <laughs> quite a bit, I'd say. Um, and definitely, when we were talking about the amount of hops used. Um, you know, people that are familiar with our beers, like um, my my IPAs, they're Tranesai and Point Doom, and mm-hmm. um, all the big IPAs we make have very abs- West Coasty, absurd amounts of dry hops in them. Um, last year, I did a collab with Institution, mm-hmm. and that was maxed out our credit cards buying hops to, <laughs> to dry hop that beer with. Um, Those are the kinds you just hope to break even on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Th- th- we're d- I was doing it for me, not for you. Yeah, um, <laughs> but. So Chris did a really good job of uh, restraining me and like, okay, let's, we're making a, a European style lager. Nick, you can't go nuts with it. <laughs> that was a, 
a good use of collabing. Yeah. Yeah. And then talking malt too was fun um, with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the, the big difference that's a lot of fun is we have different um, house yeasts. Mm. So Chris uses a very different lager yeast than what I use here. I feel like this is a good Ennegrin-esque beer. Obviously, we wrote the recipe together. We brewed it together. But we used um, the 14 Cannons house lager yeast. Oh, cool. And if there's anybody that knows anything about restraint, obviously, Chris is going to know about restraint when it comes to beers. Right. Uh, this is great. This is super crushable. Perfect summer beer. Like you said, you get a little sweetness. It's not that overdone corn sweetness. It's like kind of that honey crackery. And the hop, you don't sit there and go, oh, I taste such and such hop. You just get a little hop bitterness at the end. It dries it up. It makes it clean. Mm-hmm. And uh, a good amount of carbonation to dry it up a little bit more even. For sure. Keeps yeah. it, keeps it keeps uh, keeps you wanting more, which is what you want. Describe to people what's the difference between a Pilsner and a lager. Nothing. <laughs> um, then why the a, name? Right. A, a Pilsner is a type of lager. So uh, there's two types of yeast that... In brewing, so lager yeast is bottom fermenting and ferments cold. Uh, ale yeast is top fermenting and ferments a little warmer. Mm-hmm. Um, gives you fruitier esters. So yeah, a pilsner is a lager. Just with a fancier yeah. name. But we get every day, people will come in and they'll ask for, I'll have your pilsner, I'll have your lager. Like, well, <laughs> it's the same thing. I, I blame that on big beer. Yeah, for sure. For, for confusing people. Um, very good. Well, like I said, we're, we're going to catch up on a couple of things. We've got a couple other beers. It's, it's a very lager... Uh, centric episode we're going to talk about some lagers which as i was saying before we recorded like people hey what do you recommend in the area and i'm like what kind of beer you want oh hoppy go to 14 cannons i don't when they say lager i don't think like hey go to 14 cannons but like right now would you six on the board yeah or, six lagers on tap which is crazy uh and great for summer so uh stop on by for some summer beers but yeah a lot of this change like i said earlier if you haven't heard it go back to batch 85 we talk about nick's background how the brewery started i think when we recorded you guys were like four months old three months old yeah really new yeah, yeah. He hadn't won any awards yet. Now you've won a bunch of awards, especially for the Martin, which we'll get to. I got engaged since then and then married, and, and 14 Cannons was a part of our engagement. Yeah. <laughs> Made her stop here on her little uh, scavenger hunt. You got engaged since then. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, you guys got rid of the ski ball, which made me really sad, but at least the pizza that you replaced it with is really good. Um, you got the wine club. You mentioned the uh, three-year collab with Institution, done some great collabs. So you get a wine club. Is there a beer club coming? There actually might be. Ooh. I might have to let you know when we can tease <laughs> that in the future, uh, the not too distant future. Um, but yeah, there we are working on a, a beer club. And for everyone out there who likes beer, maybe their significant other doesn't like beer, they like wine, come on out. They got a wine club. You guys don't make the wine. It's You, you bring it in, right? Correct. Um, we actually, it's our wine club is run, um, Club 14 is run by a brother-sister combo um charlie and lauren are psalms and excellent at wine um they're from the area forever and they get wine that you can't buy Mm. anywhere um which is really cool if there's ever a rare style from paso from napa from italy they get it and it's literally wine you can't buy online or find you have to be members or you just have to be them to get. Um, so that's re- it's, a, it's a cool offering. I've learned a lot more about wine having them in here. Oh, I bet. Um, I just used to think it was spoiled grapes because um, <laughs> uh, I'm a stubborn brewer. But no, it, it, it's, it's doing really, really well. And being in Westlake, too, people like having a wine club. So Oh, yeah, I imagine. Uh, and then we mentioned the, the Marzen. When we first talked, you hadn't won any awards. The Marzen's probably your most award-winning beer now, right? I, yeah, it's won three or four golds. Yeah. And and rightfully so. And on the first episode, we were just reminiscing before we started. 
we tried it, but it wasn't carbonated yet. It was fresh right. out of the fermenter. Yeah. I'm not even sure if we tried it on the show or after the show, but we tried it that day and it was here, give me, you know, give me a taste of this, blah, blah, blah. And, and it was great, but it was obviously not right. carbonated. So here we are a few years later uh, with a carbonated metal winning Mars. And this is my wife's favorite. This is what I made her pick up on the scavenger hunt for our engagement. I made her pick up a, uh, a growler full of Mars and, and then showed up with that, which was, which was great. It settled the nerves a little bit. Mm. Yeah, I'm happy that this beer is still on tap all these years later. Yeah, it's everybody I know. I mean, our, our, our core group of friends, their favorite here is the Marzen. We always come and we get at least one Marzen while we're here. It's awesome. It's just the, it's always good. There's nothing ever wrong with a Marzen. It's not like, oh, it's too hot for a stout. Like no one's going to say about a Marzen. Right. Yeah, it's, it's refreshing. It's sweet. My first time ever having a true Marzen or Mertzen was when I was at Oktoberfest in Germany and I'd never had you know, an amber lager like this. Like, what is this delicious? <laughs> is that liquid? a lager? <laughs> yeah. What is this? Um, and so since then, that was, you know, over a decade ago, I've been trying to replicate, I've been, you know, chasing that dragon, if you will, <laughs> of trying to replicate that Marzen I had at Oktoberfest. Um, and so I make this year round. Most breweries, you know, a Marzen is an Oktoberfest, right. uh, cl- classically, traditionally, but I make it year round because I think it's sweet and delicious. Yeah, usually people make a whole like Oktoberfest event around there. Yeah, Marzen. If I was better at marketing, I'd probably do that. But <laughs> I just want to drink it. Well, that's why I find the more interviews we do, the more I find out like brewers just want to drink what they want to drink, and like ha- at least half the board is going to be what they feel like drinking. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and and what goes into this? The the secret behind this beer, this recipe, uh, I guess I'll give it away. Don't um, say love, please. Don't say love. Oh God. <laughs> um, no, it, it's the the base malt I use is I get it from Germany. Mm. It's a Barca variety. Hmm. And that's a small little farm that grows the malt and highly kilned. And I don't put any Pilsner malt in it at all. So oh, okay. most Marzins or Oktoberfests are a little lighter than this. Like, um, you know, you and I are looking at the beer and it's really deep amber in yeah. color. I mean, it looks almost like a red ale. Right. Yeah. It looks, it could be marketed as an amber or a red. Mm-hmm. And that's from the base malt that we use. So the secret behind that beer is just, uh, I finally found the malt I was happy with importing. Yeah, well, it's, I mean, like I said, it's delicious. It's sweet a little bit. It's, you know, a lot of times you get the Oktoberfest and it's like, ooh, way too sweet. This is just a little sweet. It's also a little dry. It just goes down so easy, low ABV, super crushable. That's why we get it every time we're here. It's it's a good beer to finish on. Like if you start off with a bit like, oh, I got a point doom first. It's like, well, I got to drive. I'm going to kick it off with a, uh, or end it off with the Marzen. Helps out. All right, so going back to the beginning, when we first talked, the brewery was really focused on being a showroom mm-hmm. more than, I'd say almost more than being a brewery at the time. Now, would you say that it's changed? Is it more of a brewery than a showroom? Is it still pretty? It's it's a beast. <laughs> it's it's, it's d- developed into, yeah, a, a really successful, awesome uh, local brewery. This is a showroom for the Marshall Group uh, general contracting company still. The Marsh Group builds breweries in LA in the area. They built Tarantula Hill locally. They're building Malibu Brewing Company right now. Oh, nice. He had a very good uh, career in building gorgeous breweries and restaurants. And yeah. So still, still very active as a showroom for the Marshall Group. Um, but I now have giant tanks in here that <laughs> are always full and always turning over. So it's a good thing. How does that work? Do you bring people in and, oh, this is our centrifuge. Like, this is how we use it. Like, do you show brewers your stuff or? Yeah, there there have been some some brewers that wanted to check out the equipment that w- we have uh, before they purchase it. So 
uh, Santa Monica Brew Works, uh, in fact, came up and test drove, if you will, mm. the centrifuge that we have here before they committed to buying one themselves, which is a great selling point. Like if you're going to spend a hundred thousand dollars on a car, <laughs> right. you're going to want to test drive it first. Yeah. And so often in, in brewing, people don't have that opportunity. And so it's, it's a lot of fun to, that's another way I get to collaborate all the time with other brewers that I otherwise might not ever talk to, um, just because of distance or whatever Yeah, is when, when they have a question about some of the equipment we have, they can come check it out. Um, same thing with our canning line. It's a counter pressure canning line from Colorado. So when we've had several people come check that out before they pull the trigger and mm-hmm. you know, spend a bunch of money on that. Makes sense. Yeah. I just, the other day was helping someone with our RO unit, you know, recommending an RO water filtration setup for a brewer. So it's a lot of fun to, to talk shop and nerd out <laughs> on all the equipment. Yeah. Probably weren't really able to see a whole bunch of brewers for the last 15-ish months or so. True. Uh, how did, other than the obvious, uh, people have to do a lot more cleaning. They wore masks for a while. They might be doing that again. How has COVID changed the way you guys operate? Cans. Cans, cans, cans. <laughs> Lots of cans. Thank God we had the canning line in place pre-COVID. Yeah. Um, it was it was new, um, and it was about thirty percent of what we brewed we sold in cans, and that number has totally been flipped around. Now seventy percent of what we brew gets packaged into cans. Wow. Yeah. Is that slowing down at all? As things are starting to open up, it it's not. We haven't found that it's slowed down at all. What's actually happened is keg sales are going up right now so we're just brewing more beer because can sales are still the same which is awesome right um we're in all the local total wines and uh whole foods is a great account of ours and they're still just crushing it yeah i mean you see tyrannicide everywhere now locally that that was the goal yeah that's my that's my baby (laughs) um and our flagship the tyrannicide the 14 cannon gunship Mm -hmm. had to get that in there right yeah well we just had tyrannicide day i think last week as we record this yeah Yeah. tell people about tyrannicide the, it's a fun story. Yeah, the, the Tyrannicide was a pirate ship that fought in the Revolutionary War. And Marshall's great, 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 great uncle was the captain of that ship. And that's how we came up with the whole theme and the branding here was we just kept talking about like, okay, we have like all this awesome equipment. We're going to do a showroom. Nick's going to make weird beer. <laughs> but what are we going to call the thing? And we just kept coming back to there's a pirate in the family. We have to go with that. It's like free marketing right there. We don't want to be cheesy Johnny Depp with it. Yeah. We're not chasing wenches around Disneyland or anything (laughs) right now. Um, Yeah. If you walk in the brewery, no one's going to ask you, what are you drinking? Like, don't worry about that. That won't happen here. (laughs) And then back to the the COVID situation. How did it change the way you marketed, the way you distribute? I mean, obviously distribution went to a lot more cans, a lot less uh, people pouring kegs during COVID just because they couldn't be open. But how did it change like marketing and the way you guys did that sort of stuff? That's a good question. Um, really had to focus a lot more on where our consumers lived. Mm-hmm. I, that's something that we hadn't really thought about because we had the luxury of just, we have a tasting room that's always full. And when we were forced to be closed, um, we learned, you know, we were delivering beer to people's houses, yeah. which was, it was fun. Uh, so I literally got to go see where all of my customers live Yeah, because I was in the van myself driving beer, <laughs> going door to door. Um, so I'm super appreciated that support we got from the local community, but yeah, that was, that was a learning experience for sure. Um, understanding where all the liquid I brew goes, that's mm-hmm. something that a lot of brewers maybe don't think about. That's true. That is really cool. Yeah. You know, I, I have worked at bigger breweries before and you have no idea like where that amount of liquid that you're producing is going to end up. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, and, and Marshall being the, the construction guy that he is, you guys built a great outdoor space, a nice little deck out there. Yeah, and we get to keep that. So that, that's a silver that was lining. That be my question. Yeah, silver lining of COVID is we now have a permanent patio. That's awesome. Because we love sitting out there. I mean, as yeah. long as it's not 110 degrees, it's great. You sit out there. It's nice yeah, out there. It's something and... we always wanted. And pre-COVID, um, the property manager here in this industrial complex that we're in mm-hmm. um, said, like, no, you can't take the parking spots kind of thing and if you guys get a patio then everyone's going to want a patio was right. uh except there's no other breweries right, over here, yeah, so. there's no other retail businesses around yeah but yeah the silver lining of, of covid is now we have a really nice patio and we're hanging some tvs up this week for the olympics out oh there. nice so there'll be tvs on the patio um yeah like you said it's a nice wood deck with some good shade and yeah, we're usually here, obviously not last year, but we're usually here for uh, the World Series whenever the Dodgers are playing. We'll, we'll stop by here and, and watch yeah, the game. on the projector. So yep. Hopefully they, they don't screw that. I know you have different feelings about the Dodgers being in the World Series, but uh, hopefully they don't screw that up this we, year. We, we don't have to talk politics right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So the beers we're having today definitely have like a fun story behind them. And then the next beer we have here is the K-17, which I have been drinking a ton of for the last, I don't know, six months or so. Awesome. Tell us about the K-17 and the story behind it and everything. Yeah. So K-17 is a Czech dark lager. We're focusing on lagers today. And what makes a Czech dark lager a Czech dark lager um, is the malt I used and the, the hops that are in it are Czech hops. So it looks like a stout. It's intimidating, right? Yeah. But it drinks like a Pilsner. Right. Yeah. With a little bit of yeah. chocolatiness to it. A little bit. A little yeah. roastiness. Yeah, a little roastiness. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a heavy beer, even though it looks like a, a, a stout. Yeah, this is one of my favorite styles. I mean, to get anywhere, when it's done right, it is so good. Yours is phenomenal. Ennegrin, speaking of Chris Ennegrin, yep. theirs is great, Nighthawk, yep. which has won a ton of awards. When done right, it's just so good. And and I appreciate that yours is not like super smoky. That's yeah. what I find or that I dislike about them so often is like you, you drink and it's a smoke bomb. And this is not at all that. This is a little chocolate, a little roastiness, and just an overall great crushability. Thanks. So the name is weird, K-17. Mm-hmm. Um, I said it's a Czech dark lager. So I studied abroad back in college many, many years ago. And I, I got to study abroad in <laughs> Five Prague. years ago. <laughs> um, and living in Prague uh, really is what got me into the whole beer thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there studying music and lived above a microbrewery and I was a home brewer at the time and I was like, oh man, like this beer culture is really, really cool. And my apartment number in Prague was K-17. Oh, that's awesome. So the apartment I lived in was K-17 and so I, I knew like someday I'm going to do some weird kind of Czech beer and I got a <laughs> name at this. So That's really cool. And that's back when it was still called microbreweries and not craft breweries. Right. Back in the good old days. So back to the whole collaboration situation. Any new projects, any future collabs on the calendar? Yes, we... That you're allowed to talk about? We are. I'm talking recipes right now um, with Santa Monica Brew Works. Mm. And so I think the plan will be to do one version of the recipe here and can it, and then I'll go down to Santa Monica and do a, a different version of the recipe, and they'll can it as well. That's fine. So that'll be kind of a, a dual can release, which is something we have not done before yet. That's cool. Much better than the uh, the Zoom collaborations that were happening. Yeah. <laughs> Um, what's your favorite style to brew or do you have one? That's a good question. Um, probably the Marzen. Okay. Like, as we, we were already talking about Marzen and drinking it and it, it's a unique type of lager. And like I said, I am really fortunate that I get a brew it year round. I'm glad that it sells so well year round. Yeah, we are too. It's a really fun one to brew. And then aside from that, just a ridiculous IPA. 
something that <laughs> you can just watch money <laughs> dump into the kettle when your corn hops in there. One of those late nineties West Coast IPAs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's yeah. That's uh, my strip the enamel my off heritage. Yeah. Brewing down in the uh, San Diego area. Monster IPAs back in the day with mm-hmm. IBU wars and everything. Right. Yeah. What's your most rewarding beer to make or has been your Ooh, most rewarding? Our, our Pilsner, for sure. Nice. Um, the Patient Pilsner is a Czech-style Pilsner. We're noticing the theme. Uh, <laughs> it's like, we get it. You studied abroad. Yeah. I'm like that. Jamming it down our throats. That one white girl that went to Barcelona <laughs> for a month, right? But yeah, it's uh, so rewarding to brew a clean Pilsner. It's the most difficult beer to make, which is why it's rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, there's just, it's, there's so little to it that you can't hide any flaws in it. So anytime anyone that's listening, anytime you go to a new brewery, if they have a Pilsner on tap, order that first. And that's a great mm-hmm. way to gauge, you know, what kind of brew you're getting into. Yeah, I always start off my flights at new places with either a Pilsner or like a Hellas, if they have a Hellas. Oh, and definitely a Hellas. There's no yeah. hiding anything no. behind those. No. As an IPA lover and maker, what hop are you currently crushing on? Ooh, currently crushing. I have some Cryo Sabro mm. that I'm really liking. And so we might have an IPA coming out in a little bit um, with that. And then we're also going to package in the next maybe two months. I have a new can coming out oh. um, with a hop called Zamba. Haven't had that one. Yeah, I don't think many people have. Is it so. like a New Zealand hop or something? It's it's just a tropical blend. Mm. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to share Zamba with everybody. <laughs> Is it gonna be an IPA? IPA. It's it's gonna be our one cannon uh, nice. rotating single hop series. Uh, bright purple can for it. It's gonna be cool. Nice. Um, so recently, taking a totally different turn, there's been a bill proposed federally that will legalize marijuana. Assuming the laws work out and things aren't so complicated as they are right now, would you make a beer with weed in it? Man, if legally we could do that, I think that would be a great seller. (laughs) We did a hemp IPA. That's right. um, A while ago. Um, We actually have a good friend that works for a cannabis company called Bang. Okay. (laughs) And they were like, hey, we have all these awesome terpenes. Do you want to play with them? And that was my first foray into the world of terpenes and professional cannabis. I don't know even how to describe it. Yeah. But that was kind of cool to, you know, I had one of their scientists sending me all these samples of terpenes from different strains. And I was just doing like smell tests and like I would, I was treating it like a hop. Sure. I mean, they smell very similar. Same family. So the the one I picked, um, everyone got a a kick out of, I guess it was from a strain called Super Jack. (laughs) <laughs> and everyone's like, whoa, Nick's going hard. <laughs> it was... Yeah, totally meant to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's probably inevitable um, sure. when, you know, the ABC and the TTB are the right. governing bodies of uh, of beer. Um, right when, now it's super dicey. And yeah. It's like if you have one, you can't have... If you have uh, cannabis, you can't have alcohol. If you have alcohol, you know, vice versa. Right, yeah. So I think when we talked the first time, this wasn't a thing yet. What are your thoughts on hard seltzers? It was not a thing. And boy, do I miss that. <laughs> <laughs> Bring us back to the good old days. Um, I, I I don't know. Does that answer your question? Sure. Are you going to make any? <laughs> Never. Okay. What about uh, the ready-to-drink canned cocktails? Those are super cool. Okay. Um, I, I don't, this is many years down the road, but I am currently enrolled um, in school again, getting um, my master's degree in distilling. Oh, so that's fun. It's a three-year program. Okay. Um, so I want to definitely learn how to make spirits without killing people or going sure. blind. 
It's a good start. Um, right. But I, I think I'm actively looking into expanding our current license to maybe someday let 14 Cannons distill. That would be fun. I mean, not to, to plug too many other breweries where we're talking about 14, but Shelter up in Mammoth. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've been there. Yep. We've been there. We've, they've had them on the show. I mean, they're doing a fun little like beer on this side, spirits yep. on this side. They're doing good stuff, too. Um, what's next for 14 Cannons? Maybe maybe spirits. <laughs> maybe spirits. <laughs> yeah. Just a larger distribution footprint. Mm-hmm. Um, people are asking for the beer now, which is really cool. And we can only drive so far. And, you know, traffic in L.A. is lovely. Oh, yeah. But so we are actively getting our beer a little farther than it's gone before and talking about maybe going all the way up to slow, maybe Central California and want to service uh, the greater L.A. area more. Mm-hmm. And so we are ramping up production to be able to do that, which is exciting. So our cans and kegs will be leaving Westlake Village. How, how wide is the footprint right now? Right now, we're really just Ventura County. OK. Um, so we have some great accounts up in Santa Barbara. Um, we have some great accounts in Ojai, and that's really as far as we go. Okay. Um, but, you know, everywhere between. Um, so Ventura, Oxnard, Camarillo. And we have a new sales rep who's working on the Valley. Oh, good. So we're going south a little bit and getting into LA. Um, we just got into a great account down at USC. Oh. So that's pretty far down. That's for pretty us. cool. Yeah. Um, and then the beer is doing great there. And so, yeah, we're, we're working on getting the, the LA footprint uh, a lot bigger. Yeah, I'm sheltered, especially during COVID. I'm very sheltered to our area. So to me, 14 Cannons is everywhere. Right. <laughs> Every store I walk in near my house has, has four, or bar or whatever has 14 Cannons. Yeah. Our, our goal the first three years was just own our local market. Yeah. And and I think we've done a, a pretty decent job of doing that. Uh, we're self-distributed still. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that, that's been a lot of work to, you know, maintain everything. But it's also really nice that if, if an account runs out of beer on a Friday night, Jake, our sales rep, will literally, you know, stop what he's doing and go deliver a keg. Yeah. Which you just don't get that level of service from most bigger breweries. Well, I think a lot of breweries, their first goal in the first year or two is just to make money. Yeah, survive. Yeah. And the, the, the tasting room really helps with that. All, all the margin is in-house. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why it's 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 so difficult to distribute beer because it's, it's a low margin game. Yeah, you're, you're just hoping to bring it back in. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm going to end it with this one. We did not do this on the first interview, and since we've adopted it for all interviews, I'd like to end it with, what's your favorite word or slang for being drunk? Or, I got to go with bombed. Bombed, okay. That's just, a, it's always sunny. Let's get bombed. <laughs> I don't think we've heard that from a lot of shittered. Shittered's a very popular one. Mm-hmm. Ham skied a couple of times, but I don't think we've gotten bombed yet. All right. Uh, if you guys missed it at the beginning, 31125 via Kalinas, number 907 in Westlake Village. Look for the signs as you drive up the long driveways. It's a little confusing at times. Uh, 14cannons.com, at 14cannons on the gram. Stop by, say hi to Nick, give him a high five as he's dry hopping the shit out of something. Hell yeah. I think that's everything, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks for sharing the the collab and everything else. And, cheers. And cheers to you. This is uh, always a pleasure stopping by. Thanks for drinking some lagers with me. Thanks for sharing some lagers. <laughs> Thanks one last time to Nick. Always love when we get to hang out, share some beers, and get nerdy. It's also very nice to be back in person, hanging out with people and sharing those beers. Find 14 Cannons on the socials at 14 Cannons. Of course, 14cannons.com. You find us, craftbeerrepublic.com and at craftbeerrepublic. Also, our number is 805-538-BEER. It's 2337. And if you'd like to send us an email, it's mail at craftbeerrepublic.com. Hope everyone is staying very well hydrated, doing some great beer research out there. And on that note, 
Good night, everybody.